guys, our wrestling podcast back at you with another episode. This is Dave Vicious Storm with just the total package. Craig the British Bulldog. And cuz, I think. No, maybe no. Not. I don't know. No. Bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards, sharing opinions with you. Can someone feed me today's topic? David, we're doing the long ass legacy of Lex Luger. I love it. All aboard the Lex Express, Dave. (laughs) Toot, toot. Full steam. For audio fans, give us a listen on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or Google Podcast. Or watch our videos on YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel. On social media, give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter at OWP2019 or at Facebook at Our Wrestling Podcast. Guys, um, no messing around today. Just gave me seven pages to read, so we just need to jump right in. Look at him smiling. It's like torture. Go on. (laughs) Go on. All right. Let's jump into the early life. Lawrence Wendell Full. Am I saying that right? I hope I don't, I've never known how to pronounce his last name. I really just wanted to put you on the spot and make you There you go. Well, you done did it. Nice job. I was born on June 2nd of 1958 in Buffalo, New York. Luger attended high school and played football at Orchard Park, New York. He then attended Pennsylvania State University on a football scholarship, but transferred to the University of Miami after his freshman year when the Penn State coaches thought he could move to linebacker or defensive end. In 1978, Luger played for the Miami Hurricanes, would feature future pro football Hall of Famer quarterback Jim Kelly. A lot of Bills references and Buffalo references so far early on. How many Super Bowls did they play? Greg, over there. I'm I'm sorry. I have my headphone cut out. I couldn't. uh, (laughs) Man, Played four, lost four. I can't can't even jump in on this right now. Even though Dallas has has five rings, we lost last night, so I can't say shit. There you go. He was kicked off of the team, him being Luger, uh, (laughs) Jim Kelly. For what Luger referred to as off-the-field incidents on the team's road trip to Atlanta to play Georgia Tech Luger, who was suffering from cabin fever and disappointed. Is that a diagnosis? Like, did a doctor diagnose him with cabin fever? I have cabin fever. I don't feel good. It must be cabin (laughs) fever. And he was disappointed at not being named a starter by coach Lou Saban by the fifth game of the season. He snapped and trashed his hotel room. Upon leaving Miami, he played professional football. That's a normal reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it sound, sounds like no roids involved at all. No. Um, cabin fever! And he's kicking lamps over. But he did yeah. play professional football <laughs> for the Montreal Alouettes of the Canadian Football League. Semi-pro, that's what I would call it. He then signed with the Green Bay Packers of the National Football League, but never played in a game and thus is not listed on their all-time roster, though he did spend the entire 1982 season on the team's injured reserve list with a groin problem. Hmm. Well, that's nice. Hmm. In 1984, Luger finished his football career playing in the United States Football <laughs> After League. After I passed 40, I'm starting to have a growing problem. For the uh, Yeah, there you go. For when the Tampa older, Bay Bandits, Memphis Showboats, and Jacksonville Bulls. I love all of these names. It's so fun. I didn't realize he had such a storied kind of pro career. I thought he was just a college guy like all the rest of them, but I did not why know is, any of this. Why is Luger. semi-pro coming into my mind? Everybody love yeah. everybody. He was a teammate of future WCW rival Ron Simmons while paying for the Tampa Bay Bandits. Um, Early wrestling career from 85 to 87. In 1985, Luger met Bob Roop in a celebrity golfing event, of all things. In Florida, it was given the chance to get into professional wrestling as Roop. Oh, sorry, my my stuff jumped there. Uh, It was greatly impressed with Luger's powerful bodybuilder physique. 
Roop. That's every story, by the way. Every 80s wrestler, when hey, you bro, do a legacy, you're looking big, bro. it's always like they were at the gym and they got noticed by fill in the blank. Yeah. Like their massive physique. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Hey, you Bob, I'm, I'm Larry Pafol. I'd like to be a wrestler. <laughs> well, you have a great physique, Larry. I'd like to keep board. my name Larry Pafol as my uh, professional <laughs> name. So, <laughs> Mr. Roop arranged for Luger to be trained by Hero package, Larry Pafol. <laughs> That's, I feel bad for Hiro Matsuda a little bit, actually. Okay. Um, Luger began wrestling in the Championship Wrestling from Florida, CWF territory of the National Wrestling Alliance, better known as the NWA. He was also in a still cage match with Bruiser Brody. Just, oh, so that was really um, early. That was my first year then? Yeah, like, this is Dave's favorite fucking thing ever. I love <laughs> I, I love the, the video. If you ask Dave, like, and you put him under kind of like laughing gas or the dentist gas, you know, and be like, what's your favorite moment of pro wrestling? Don't think about it. He's like, the time that Brody fucking stopped selling for Luger and walked around the cage. It's the greatest Luger thing got, ever. And Luger got scared Luger, and left. He literally stops cooperating, leaving Luger to climb over the cage and disqualify himself, leaving the match. Um, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get some audio on that, Jess. A little bit of pictures. I think I'm pretty sure there's clips online I can put right it's here. It's fantastic. It's probably not owned either, so you might be able to actually play it. Um, but it's it's good stuff. Uh, let's get into Jim Crockett Promotions on the NWA WCW from '87 to '92. In 1987, Luger went to work for Jim Crockett Promotions and was under the NWA banner. With the nickname the total package so can and i say this uh okay. joe joe and i have talked a lot about our favorite wrestling nicknames i'm sure the the three of us on this call have done the same thing at times sure but uh joe and i uh under the influence came to the conclusion that probably mr wonderful mr perfect and the total package are the three best i was nicknames. wondering if you're gonna say mr perfect in there yeah and right outside with the hitman is a great nickname as well. That's a great um, one. Yeah, yeah, but Total Package was like Joe and I were like, "Fuck yeah!" That's like, it. We love the Total Package name. Like that's just a great fucking nickname. Yeah. He wasn't. Uh, <laughs> a lot of things. And I don't mean that to be a dick because we're doing a legacy on him. But he like, was not I mean, the Total Package. He was not a good technical wrestler. So that I mean, Hitman should have been the Total Package. Bret yeah, Hart. Total Package so Bret Hart. Hard. And he wasn't yeah. a super great promo guy either. The Hitman Lex Luger and the Total Package Bret Hart. That's fine. What's wrong with that? Let's change it up. So bro. let's go yeah. back in time. So just Total it's Package meaning Paul just Order. his body, basically. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. I, I, in reference to the physique, yeah. that is the total package. Without yeah. a doubt. That, that's fair. That's um, and he began using the human torture rack as his finisher. That's a great he finisher. First, it is a great finisher, um, if you're not a pussy about it. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. He was first booked as an associate to Ric Flair's Four Horsemen stable until Orly Anderson was kicked out and he became an official member of the group. His first big feud was with Nikita Koloff whom he defeated in the NWA United States Heavyweight Championship on July 11th, 1987. So, okay, so I, right here, I kind of want to pull this out. So, you know, Luger's taken a lot of heat over the years, especially during this period that he was green. And he was. However, if they come to you and they're like, man, you just look really good. And like, you know, people believe that you could beat them up and people believe that you could beat everybody else up and people want to be you. Uh, and we're going to put our second most valuable championship on you. What are you going to say? I'm going to say, okay. Yeah. I, in Luger's case, because Luger's about the money, Luger's probably like, well, how much more of an increase is that? And they're like, this much. And he's like, sounds good. I'll be Nikita tomorrow. And like, why? I don't know why I sounded like Piper there. But like, why would you? <laughs> yeah. Like Luger would be like, you know what? 
I'm a little too green for that. I'll pass. No, he's not going to yeah. say that. Like, Who's going to say someone, no? Yeah, when we want to <laughs> shit on Luger, I'll, I'll jump on his bandwagon a little bit early here. Like, you know, I, I had my opinions of him at certain stages of his career. And if you're going to compare him to Ric Flair, but how many other people can you count on one hand, Dave, that can compare to Ric Flair? Two? Uh, three? Maybe. I don't even think you can fill one hand of people that could actually compare with Ric Flair. So when people are like, well, he was no Ric Flair, so that's why he was held back here. I'm like, uh, how many people back here were fucking Ric Flair besides Ric Flair? Like, con, man. Like, you gotta, again, Luger saw the opening. Luger was about money. He knew he had a great physique. He knew that wrestling promoters, a guy noticed him in the gym because he was muscular. Luger wasn't lifting weights and then put someone... Yeah, and then put someone in a fucking cross toe hold or whatever, and someone's like, wow, you are the total package. No, people saw him lifting weights, and they're like, just get that guy. We'll teach him shit. Yeah. Like, I mean, we'll 87, 88 Luger was huge. The first time you saw him, you, I mean, he was just impressive off the bat, and you, you knew he, he was, was like the Crockett a- answer to Hogan, because Hogan was on the other side, and so were a lot of muscular right. guys in WWF at the time, but that was like NWA's like... Okay, yeah. like now we're going to, we, we pride ourselves on the wrestlers like Flair and Steamboat, and et cetera, even though Steve had a great body, and so did Flair. But I mean, like they were more wrestler wrestlers, Aaron Anderson, Tully Blanchard, you know, Magnum. Magnum, again, was naturally tall, but he wasn't like mega muscular. Then you got a Luger walk in and they're like, hmm, we'll dip into the Hogan money if it's there. Why not? Like, you know, we'll yeah, give it a go. I mean, they yeah. vaulted him right to the Four Horsemen, vaulted him to Nikita, vaulted him, that's, that, as Jeff said, the second most important title, and it didn't matter. Yeah. He just needed to clothesline the shit out of people, got his punches, do some chain stuff and off the ropes, the and be a monster, and put him in the rack. And then yeah. if you could do that for 20 minutes a night, like, yeah. I, it was fine. Like he was, I'm sure he was a dude that was never lacking for confidence, obviously just reading off that football history and his ego and through the future. But like, it's impressive just to be vaulted in the main event and kind of still just survive and keep going yeah. from there. Like good for him. I'd say. And, and be one of those group of guys that you could put like him, Nash, probably Goldberg, like in this, this classification of like, they're like, you know, wrestling was cool. We liked it, but yeah, you want to know what we like more money. Yeah. And that's, Luger was always kind of that guy. And, uh, you know, I could we could drop this in at any time, but Luger was actually known for being a really intelligent investor with his money in the back. Guys would come to Luger in both NWA, WCW, and WWE, and they would ask Luger for advice. How do I should I invest this? How should I invest that? And Luger was, like, smart with his money. And he was like, oh, yeah, do this, do that. Like, you know, so Luger was actually very intelligent as well with his money. He held the title until the uh, first main event of Starcade in November when he dropped it to Dusty Rhodes in a steel cage match. This uh, loss set the stage for Luger leaving the Four Horsemen as manager Dylan's interference cost Luger the match. Luger then befriended Barry Windham. Well, that's fun. His former Florida ally. Oh, that's fun. And together they formed a tag team dubbed the Twin Towers. Oh, what a fun group. Um, yeah, that's nice. Their first match as a team was on February 3rd of 1988 a TV taping at the WTBS studios in Atlanta on March 27th of 1998 at Clash of the Champions. They defeated Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson. We'll get to them later. The Brain Busters. Good God. So good. For the NWA World Tag Team Championship. So uh, a lot of people there, that was actually a big deal. Um, And I remember reading about that in my magazines, my PWI magazines, uh, when they won the tag titles, that place went nuts. The Clash of Champions one was commonly remembered for the Flair and uh, Sting uh, draw, and it kind of made Sting as a main eventer at that point. Sure. But also on that card was uh, Luger and Wyndham defeating Anderson and Blanchard, and that place went fucking nuts. It's amazing. Like they were they were totally behind Luger and Wyndham at the time. 
Luger, that's the good thing about his physique, right? Like when he's a heel, he could be like, I'm so much better than you. I'm the total package. And you're like, fuck you. But then when he's a face, he's just like, oh, I'm going to beat all these other evil bad guys. Look at my body. And everyone's like, yeah. Like, and then you want to be him. So he was kind of perfect from the start. You could switch Luger back and forth. And he was over here even early, like yeah. three years in, two years into the Crockett promotions. He was just fucking over his shit mm -hmm. wherever he went. And yeah. <laughs> And yeah. it didn't hurt to have a partner with, like Wyndham who could fucking, you know, have a match with the broomstick. The problem is good. only a few weeks after the title win, Wyndham suddenly turned on Luger during a title defense. Fuck! Blanchard Anderson. Dang it! God. Who had regained the title as a I result. just complimented him. What happens on that is after uh, Wyndham turned and Luger was a face. He's officially uh, Luger, out of the forest, man. Yeah. yeah, he was officially out. He challenged Ric Flair uh to the match at Grady Brecken Bash 88. And uh, so he had Flair in the rack. And before... This is a lot of critique here for WCW in 88 because they started to kind of like decline a little bit. They pretty much telegraphed it. There should, there, the, the Maryland State Athletic Commission will not allow any blood. So they telegraphed it. And so you're like, why would they tell me that? Yeah. And then you're thinking like, oh. <laughs> and then at the end, and so when Luger cut himself, he didn't cut himself deep enough because uh, he didn't go to the flare school of bleeding. So basically <laughs> like the blood kind of wiped off. And so when he had flair on the rack, the whole point was that's hilarious. Him to be, yeah. Him to be pissing blood out of his face while he's got flair up in the rack. And then the ref comes over and looks at his cut and rings the bell. And the crowd was supposed to think that flair submit, but then they're like, due to the bleeding rule of athletic state commission, uh, Luger is, you know, disqualified you know, or whatever. Honestly, to your point, just if you, if you hadn't announced it and even if you bled a little and you just, you worked that it would have been so much more heel work. Like it looked the crowd like lost their minds. It, would have been it great. looked like he was walking upstairs and he fell on lipstick on his forehead. That's Aww. what it looked like. That's yeah, crazy. it was it was not good. So when the ref did, like ended the match and said that Flair wins by forfeit because Luger bled and the athletic, like people were like, he's not even bleeding that bad. So unfortunately, this was this went over badly. But it was to put Luger in the main event and he went after Flair and you know so it kind of. And then he was also chasing Wyndham at this point, who was U.S. champion. So now, you know, like, they were really positioning Luger as a face at this point. Is the most important story. However, sometimes WCW just gets in the way WCW of WCW in it up, bro. WCW. So I apologize that I deleted a paragraph. And uh, Hey, Jess, I think it I'm worked a real out. piece of shit. I think um, it worked out better this way, honestly. Good stuff. Oh, well. Good storytelling. He was then matched with old foe Barry. You gave me confidence, Dave. I'm gonna... He was then <laughs> matched up against old foe Barry Wyndham at the Chi Town Rumble in 1989, winning his second NWA United States Heavyweight Championship from him there. Huge pop and Luger one. This is what Hart's all about. He wants this and wants it bad. Look at Max Suplex. Luger got his shoulder up. I think Luger got his shoulder up. Yeah, 
<laughs> what? Huge pop in Luger 1, by the way. Oh, yeah, massive, right? One they love favorite. him. They love him. With Sting and Flair set to square off at Wrestle War in February of 1990, Luger was booked to defend a U.S. title against Dr. Death Steve Williams on the card. A legitimate injury to Sting, however, caused the entire booking of the card to get completely changed. Luger was elevated to face Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. An injured Sting appeared in Luger's corner during the match, eventually being tacked by Ole and Art Anderson. When Luger left the ring to help Sting, he was counted out, giving the match to Flair. That sounds bad. So, and also in between that, in between the Great American Bash match where the match was stopped for bleeding, they rematched at Starcade 88, and Flair would actually get a pin on Luger and uh, like put his feet on the ropes, I think it was. And so that was supposed to kind of effectively take Luger out, and Sting was the next guy. Sting legitly blew, tore his ACL trying to climb a fucking cage, setting up the match with Flair. So all of a sudden, they're like, oh, my God. So technically, in the story, in the timeline thing, Sting was supposed to beat Flair before Warrior beat Hogan on the other side. That's wow. what they were going for. Wow. They, fig- they figured out that they were going with the Warriors, so they're like, well, we need to go with Sting so we can kind of, like, counter WWF. A lot of people were crowing around this time between, like, 88 and 90. They were saying that, you know what, like, Luger should have been world champion. Like, Flair prided himself, I've won it 100 times, which means you got to lose 100 times. That's so true. So why not lose to Luger? Why didn't it happen? Uh, you know, a lot of people look back now, and it's to, it's to go back to the point what I said earlier. People, you know, Flair just saying, oh, Luger wasn't ready. Well, like, when when NWA sold, when Crockett sold mm. to Turner, the territories were done. They were done before that. That's why the sale happened. But, like, it, Flair and them were still in that mindset of, like, 7, 8, 9, 10, 15, 20 years before where the NWA champion went to every territory and he had to be better than everybody and elevate their baby face or whoever it was. Sure. If they were a face, their heel. You know, Luger couldn't do that. He was too green. He wasn't good enough. Well, right, but now you're in a different scenario. Now Turner was trying to put a bubble around his WCW, which we still knew as NWA at this point. Cable and he was trying yeah. he was trying to compete with Vince, for better or for worse. So, you know, looking back, it's easy to say, why the fuck couldn't Luger have had a three-month run or four-month run with the title? It would have been good too for many, him. Too many hands you know? in the cookie jar is the answer. Yeah. And unfortunately, we're going to see when he finally does get the World Heavyweight Championship, it's anticlimactic. So for Luger, I always was like, God, he should have gotten a run. Like with back here when people still thought it was the NWA, even though we all know now what was happening behind the scenes and it was sure. converting to WCW. Uh, you know, Luger was just used here as the, that face. They wanted to believe in him, but it was still infected that company with the best workers have to be the champions. That's it, man. And it's like, yeah. Took so long for people to finally catch on. You know, I would say, oh, I don't know, about like 93, 94 when Bischoff took over. And he's like, well, listen, we kind of got to copy him to a certain extent. Like we, and and Bischoff did things different. I'm I'm going off on a tangent here. It just, it sucks for Luger back here in like 88, 89. They didn't see it in him. But if this, if the Bischoff administration would have been here, they would have been like, we're putting the title on Luger. Why would we not? Yeah. Like, he looks just like Hogan, Fair. like, in that sense. like. Well, it, it, it did get worse for Luger as he eventually dropped yeah. the U.S. title to Stan Hansen at Halloween Havoc of 1989 of October of the same year. Luger's third title reign lasted a total of 523 days. And I screwed up on that, by the way, Dave. That's yeah. Halloween Havoc 1990. Oh, my God. That, oh that should have been. That's not your fault. It's mine. And I am a failure. That's okay. It's, it's <laughs> totally fine. Totally fine. You're good. And his third title reign would last a total of 523 days. That's a hell of a reign. Longest, 
reigning United States champion in history, he would win the title back from Hanson at Starcade of 1990 in December. In our archives, the history of the U.S. championship, we do note that Luger was the longest reigning U.S. champion with a single reign. Go check it out. Yeah, we do. We'll wait. Go check, check it out. out. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be right we'll, here when you come back. Just pause it. We'll wait, we'll wait for again you and Cuz. challenge Ric Flair for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship after becoming the number one contender by defeating the Great Muda. So cool. In June of, uh, I'm sorry, in the June 14th, 1991 Clash of Champions, 15. I had to read that. Just, you know, Roman numerals threw me off. Knoxville, USA. Luger's title match against Flair was set to be contested at the Great American Bash in a steel cage match with the added stipulation that should Flair get disqualified, he would lose the title. The match never occurred, however, as Flair began to have disagreements with Jim Hurd, the head of WCW, over his future and salary. Jim Hurd is just a just a go-getter. What a great guy. He you eventually make the quit. monies, Dave. He, the monies. He eventually quit the company, he being Flair, being stripped of the title in the process, and took that world title belt with him. And you guys have seen those. It was uh, a guy. Yeah, we've talked about the Flair leaving a whole thing. But, you know, what the we didn't talk about WWF. was that Luger was kind of indirectly a part of it because he was supposed, you know, the time that they're finally like, you're going to beat Flair. So the thing is, is that if Flair stayed, Luger was still going to win that match. Luger would have won the world title finally, like as a yeah. face here. They were going to put it on him. They had Sting, and then they were going to keep Luger as their face. And they eventually would have turned Luger because the, the duh match is Sting and Luger down the road when you look at WCW oh, yeah. landscape. But yeah. with the whole Flair and Herd thing and Flair finally getting quote-unquote fired and, and not agreeing to drop the belt because he wanted his deposit back and blah, blah, blah. Then he shows up on Vince McMahon's television with the fucking NWA big gold belt. It was a mess. So Luger finally gets his chance. Finally gets a shot at the world title and he was booked to win and then Dave you're going to read on just this no offense against Barry Windham but just the shit fuckery circumstances like so and we all we all love us some Barry Windham let's be very clear on that yeah but with the WCW World Heavyweight Championship now vacant Barry Windham was declared the number two contender and was set to face Luger in the cage match at the Great American Bash during that match Harley Race and Mr. Hughes came down to ringside on the wide said that it was fun. While Hughes kept Wyndham's attention, Race told Luger that now was the time. Now was the time. That's the best. It's the best Harley Race impression I have. To perform a ah. pile driver on the distracted Wyndham, Luger did so, and he won the match, thereby winning his first WCW World Heavyweight Championship. As Flair still had the original championship belt, and the new belt was not ready in time, Luger literally wore the NWA. Western States Heritage <laughs> Championship, which have been altered to resemble the world title. That is ridiculous. That is Dusty Rhodes owned it. Dusty Rhodes owned that belt. So, like, the World had, States Heritage one? Yeah, the Western States oh. Heritage Championship. So, he put it into the shop and said, just put a fucking plate over it that says WCW World Heavyweight Champion. So, if Make you sure go you back and baby watch. When you do that, just put baby, it over, maybe. The only thing I got is the Western States Championship is going to have to do. 
So he did it, and if you go back and watch it, Luger was careful. They told Luger not to face it towards the hard cam because they didn't want to focus in on it. So when he won it, he held it up and then tucked it um, because, like, they didn't want people to this see it. This sounds like the equivalent of someone in the family eating the big piece of chicken before daddy comes home. And just, this, stitch, it, just stitch it together and make a big one, sew it together. This company, know. this <laughs> company. <laughs> this company. Yeah, this company. That belt didn't have, like, the western side of the U.S. on it. Like, I can think I can see it in my head. It says the western yeah. states, like, literally like, on the icon. Like, you you watched this match you wanted time, to. You know what like. you saw. This company that we're talking about here, <laughs> this company that allowed their world title to walk away to Vince McMahon's promotion, <laughs> this company, five years later, would become the number one American wrestling promotion in the United States. Yeah, and Lou was just caught in the wrong time frame of it. How do you yeah. only have one big gold belt? Because I, I put a ten thousand dollar deposit on it. <laughs> and then I gotta pay me my money. <laughs> like that's exactly why it was right coming. There. I mean, and then hurt going. Oh, Luger, fuck yeah. you, Dad. Fuck you. I got Luger. I got Eligante. Yeah. You don't have the balls to show it on television. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't dare. What's on prime? I time? just, fuck. I just, like, yeah. Tell tell him, Flair. He doesn't have the balls to do something. Is yeah, that's, that's... <laughs> I don't have no balls. <laughs> Bobby Eaton, get Vince on the phone. That's fine. Get Woo! the get the backup belt. Wait, we don't have a. Oh. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, get... so like, good. what if he got uh, lost at the airport or like a baggage or like? <sighs> so wow, Western so states. Okay. I can't. Every Why time, Vince every time one? Jess does flare, yeah. I just I can't. Why was Vince number one for so long? I don't know, because Vince probably had a backup belt. That's why. <laughs> and among other things that Vince was really good at. I, I Even when they why. threw belts in the river, they had backup yeah, belts. they had I mean, fucking gone. shit on deck. Ugh. After Flair won the world title, his first major challenge came from Ron Simmons. This is in our archives, too, by the way. We're very, very... Um, we're, we're all Simmons fans. At a signing ceremony for their title match at Halloween Havoc and a two out of three falls match, there was a controversial angle where Luger invited Simmons, once uh, the challenge had been turned back, to join his entourage. But, <sighs> I forgot about this. As a yeah. chauffeur, uh, yeah. Luger then went on to retain the championship in a match by two falls to one. In WCW. He's got him up and he caught him in the attitude adjustment. That's the power driver. And he got it. Oh, a, oh. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the third and deciding fall and still world heavyweight champion, the total page, Rex Jim, this is what we are all about. A contest like this. Eventually, Luger began to have uh, Another issues. good match, you know, again. Mm-hmm. The way he wins it is a clusterfuck. And then, yeah, there's a little controversy at the way they put Ron Simmons in. But you know what? Okay. I'm going to get a lot of flack for saying this. And this is the wrong thing to say. But I'm just thinking of, like, on a professional wrestling standpoint. I'm just glad they got Simmons in the main event. Now, looking back, saying using race to do so is not uh, the best thing to do. However, I'm talking back here in 1991. And whatever way that I we got to see Ron Simmons in the main event, and then a year later he would actually win the world title and yeah. become the first like you know major promotion black heavyweight champion. I'm glad we just got there. However, we had to go through some bullshit like in the meantime. But 
They're it magic. Is bullshit. They're magic. You know what's bullshit about my dog, Rowdy? <laughs> Shut up! He knows every Friday I do the podcast. That son of a bitch dog. He just wants to be um, a part of it. If you just put he's him a next massive to you, Ron Simmons fan, he gets uh, upset. If you just and if so you just uh, want to put him next to you and hold him, he'll probably be all right. Just, just so put his funny. face on the he's screen. At nothing. Like I guarantee you, there's nothing. He's barking here. at you because you're not paying. There's attention. There's a burglar behind me robbing my house. I'm like, there's <laughs> nothing to be. About. <laughs> so you're saying Lex Luger is robbing your house right now? Is that <laughs> no? I'm not talking about that at all. Um. Uh, but Halloween again. Havoc, Halloween Havoc 1991, two out of three falls match. Uh, Ron Go Simmons, check it out. It's first, good. First time in the main event pitcher. Luger had that stigma on him of the, the way he won the title, the Western States heritage, no backup belt, everything. This was actually a very good match. One of the probably the only good match on Halloween Havoc 1991. Go back and check it out. It's actually good. Very good. Just the one. Just the one. Just but eventually, Luger began to have his own issues in WCW, and the contract he had seemed to have him wrestling less and less while still collecting money. Luger's contract only required him to work a specific number of dates, and having fulfilled them, he sat out at the end of 1991 and the beginning of 1992. Luger Again, did not wrestle a match until Super this Bowl same II. company five years later beat WWF, and I don't know how the fuck they did it. Like, but they, it's funny because Luger's like, "Look, I'm looking at my contract, and um, I've fulfilled my dates, so pay me." Yeah. And they're like, "What? Um, what? But you, you heard all what? Don't you want to be champion?" Yeah. And, and and you would have no. to agree this is where uh, he would lose his WC title to Sting. I'm sure that's something to do with it. I'm sure it made it easier to put the title on Sting at that time. Yeah, it's Super Brawl 2. Actually, entertaining. I wasn't a fan of the ending of this match, but it was actually a decent match. And uh, you got your Luger and Sting, but Luger was, you could tell like, when he wrestled, he was half-assed because he was like, I'm out of here. Doesn't really fucking matter. Luger joined the World Wrestling Federation, WWF, with Bobby the Brain Heenan unveiling him oh, this is the with best. the persona of the narcissist Lex Luger. At Royal Rumble of 1993, shortly thereafter, his name is altered slightly to just the narcissist. Luger posed before full-length mirrors before every match. The WWF also incorporated best. his motorcycle accident into his gimmick, capitalizing the fact that he had a metal plate inserted into his forearm which was also said to cause more damage when he struck an opponent. You want to talk until, about Bobby Until Heenan. my dad walks in the room and like all, at all like whenever my dad got an opportunity to tell me wrestling's fake, everybody knows that friend in their life or family member, you know it's fake, don't you? Like, and you're like, of course I know it's fake. God, yes, like, dad, Jesus. Up, dad. So my dad had to come into the room going, uh, that would actually hurt him worse. And I'm like, oh God, like. Because they would always talk about how Luger hit people with the forearm that has a steel plate. Uh, it would actually break their Luger skin and cause him way more pain. I'm like, okay, okay, father. Thank you for that. Can you go away and stop watching the TV that you own, please? And let me can fucking you nerd out and watch wrestling. Damn it, yeah, can Yeah, I can't. Can dad, the 14-year-old Jess dad, please watch on, wrestling dad. in peace? But I, I, I was, was going to say, here. this. he barely hit him on that. Like, thanks, Thank dad. you, dad. Thank you. For that, a real pile driver would kill him. <laughs> All right, I know, I know, I know. 
I know. Oh. I know. Craig, we were going to say something, bud. Uh, so he throws a guy to the ropes and he runs into them. <laughs> Why would he yes. do that? Why? Dad, <laughs> fuck. I don't know. Can you leave 14 year old Craig, I'm going to try to bring you back in again. I'm, I'm sorry about this. But, uh, you know, it's just tanning oil they put on their bodies. <laughs> they don't look half that big. They just do a bunch of push ups before and put baby oil. Okay, Dad. Uh, why would you even say why, that? Dad? Why does that matter, Dad? Just bothers me that he hits him with his forearm when it would clearly hurt himself. All right. That's so stupid. There's a long way around it's saying really, that, Dad. It, it's it's stupid that you have to point it out. Like, just let us <laughs> let us have let us imagine. Like, my dad never said that comment the last one, though. No. That's true. Right. He I have to defend him. <laughs> no, no, and I was pretending it was my dad too, who never said that either, but it's just an extension of the worst thing Nobody's the dad's could dad say. said that on this podcast. Oh, it was 1993. It was a different time. No. <laughs> People were wrong. Dave, why are you dragging on? Read yeah. the notes. In the mid-1993 uh, portion of time, after Hogan's departure from the company, Luger was transformed into a fan favorite character with the oh. nicknames Made in the USA and the All-American, also American original. Um, I think Hacksaw's a little pissed off right now. On July 4th, hey. he took part in an event where he arrived by helicopter. <laughs> I've carried the flag for like fucking five years. He's <laughs> just mad. Flair came back into it. Flair's still there. Um, I mean, Luger's a on great the deck guy. of the USS Intrepid and body slammed the near 600-pound WWF World Heavyweight Champion. Yokozuna, after a number of other athletes, both inside the WWF and out, attempted and failed. I think Hacksaw failed, so he lost the I guess no one's going to be arrested for stealing my gimmick. (laughs) (laughs) Just (laughs) complicated. I guess nobody cares about Hacksaw. (laughs) Been doing the same thing. Luger's gimmick's not new, fuckers. Sorry for my language. I think think hypothetically that if if Yoko gave the jump, Hacksaw could have signed. Look, my theme music is only starts and stripes forever, assholes. <laughs> oh, oh, but Luger's um, gonna slam him? No problem, I guess. I'll just keep doing the same shit. <laughs> I'll just Luger keep having did- a baggage check my two by four every airport I go to. Oh, it's never. Gonna oh, end. but maybe I can introduce him for SummerSlam '93. No Macho Man who has nothing to do with the flag. Okay, he could do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Luger began the Lex Express. I'm gonna go to WCW if you don't traveling fuck. the country in a red, white, and blue painted bus to greet fans in preparation for his shot. Okay, at but the I'm gonna WWE set the building World on fire. Heavyweight Championship at SummerSlam 1993. The match had a stipulation that his I had was- a flag painted on my car for you. Uh, this match, <laughs> world title, Yoko versus. Not so, not Hacksaw. I've worked every July Lex, the title of this old, whole podcast. <laughs> it's my fault. It's, I blame myself for this. <laughs> so, okay. So if anybody's wondering, like, why a legacy on Lex Luger, just there's so much shit here. First of all, the Lex Express alone oh, is, like, is really the topic it's kind of discussion, garbage. right? Yeah. It's, it is garbage, Dave. You're right. And it, it just fucking ended like a fart in church. But, like... But Luger was a part of it, and that's a big part of WWF history was them trying to figure out, like, they were going to go with Brett, and then he's like, wait a minute, we could turn Luger face. And, like, it was just this whole weird in-between Hogan stuff where they didn't, Vince didn't really want, he didn't want steroid guys on his show anymore. Luger was off the gas here, by the way. He was smaller, even though he's in great shape. He was in rip shape. 
But like, he's like, well, that's the next best thing I can have. I can't have the big bloated guys anymore because I'm kind of on trial for shit. So Lex Luger, who is not on the gas anymore, is in good shape still. He looked, he's six foot three, six foot four, you know, 200 and even on his slimmest, 255, 60 pounds, big dude. Sure. Uh, so let's do that. So they were trying with Brett and he's like, no, let's do Luger. We, we, I need another Hogan. And Luger was a part of that. So a lot of people just forget. They look at it as a big failure, which it was. But, like, think of the opportunity that Luger had here. Again, what are you going to say? No, thank you. I want you yeah. to give me arguably the most promotion you've ever given any single superstar, like, besides Hogan, in the company's you're, history. You're going you're gonna to get what you get. You're going to take what you I'll get. I'll pass. Hacksaw, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, thank you. Finally. So, yeah. The Lex Express here. <laughs> said finally. Finally. <laughs> fuck, I've been waiting. Um... I've been in the back of the bus the whole time, and nobody even knows in the bathroom. <laughs> so, yeah, and then, and then they put working him up in this, a sweat. Sorry, I couldn't. They help. put him in this title match, and again, simply <laughs> working up a sweat in our archives, the UK Rampage tour. Um, yep. And this goes back. This reminds me also of the whole like the way NWA WCW treated him was like there should have been a time where he ran with the title, even if it was for a couple months, and Yoko beats him back. Sure. You hype him up for months. He rides a goddamn bus with the American flag on it and literally has to live in it, like, and go around. And they do that to him. And then Vince is like, are you ready for the ending of the SummerSlam match? Yeah, go ahead, boss. You win by count out and you don't win the title. <laughs> oh, what the fuck was all this for then? Like, so you can't blame Luger for that. That was Vince. He just got cold feet. Just and he was just it, like, bro. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, so it's, 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 we reviewed also in our archives, the review of SummerSlam 93. Um, yeah. We talked about the just they should have just pulled the fucking trigger and let him beat Yoko for a let goddamn go. night. Even if the next night on Raw, like Luger loses, okay, like what's yeah. the bit or the next pay per view or whatever, like whatever. What's the problem? <clears throat> yeah. What's the problem? So at this match, Luger he uses the metal plate in his forearm. He eventually wins the match, but the countout victory meant that Yoko would retain the title there. Mr. Fuji, he's out. Fuji is out cold. Participated in the Royal Rumble match of 1994, where he and Bret Hart were declared co-winners after both men went over the top rope and had their feet hit at the ground simultaneously. Um, magic with the cameras, as we'd say, but it was still very well done. Yes. As such, both received shots at the WWF World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania 10. We've talked about this quite a bit. I just have to say that the Bret Hart side of this is so great, and the Lex Luger side of this is so terrible. But I was a guy who could bench press almost 600 pounds and thought I was pretty strong. And uh, he uh, talked about uh, just 
a huge guy with incredible natural strength. Sometimes when we'd be on house shows, like we'd goof around a little bit at the beginning. He used to just, I mean, he could just take me and like, pick me up like a little kid and set me in a turnbuckle like I was three years old. Uh, amazing, uh, amazingly big, strong, agile, athletic guy, and a great guy. Him and I were buddies. We used to play when we travel Europe. They put us on the buses together. Him and I were uh, card buddies, and we used to play cards all the time. Just a wonderful guy, Joe Kazuna. Um, right. Luger was disqualified in his match against Yokozuna, becoming the first man to win the Royal Rumble and not win their title match. Wow. Luger then began feuding with his friend Tatanka. His friend? I know they're friends. Oh, they were best friends. Dude, oh, that's nice. Due to the lack of trust between them. Stop and it. a match between the two took place at SummerSlam of 1994. At the event, Tatanka defeated Luger and joined DiBiase's million dollar corporation. Tatanka has now been tainted. That's horrible. Um, Luger would then team with David Boy Smith in early 1985 and challenge Yokozuna and Owen Hart for the WWF Tag Team Championship through the summer. They would be unsuccessful in their attempts. We saw that live, so, like us in our storm. Heck yeah. We, that's right, we did. Um, there's a lot of stories in there that we can't talk about. Shortly after SummerSlam in 1995, Luger, whose contract had expired, left the WWF without letting McMahon know beforehand. Jess, I know you have a lot to say here. Take it away. This, we're going to get into, the, and again, we're talking about Lex Luger. Why would you do a legacy on Lex Luger? Because he was a part of a lot of big things that we already it's talked about. a lot about. of big things. And this one is literally what defined Nitro. The very first Nitro ever, Dave's going to read on here. Because mm. Luger's contract expired, and back here it was more of a handshake. Now it's official contracts, and they have downsides, and they have no-compete clauses, which no-compete clauses were back here, too, but not as common now they're in every contract nowadays sure. luger's contract expired and they fucking didn't realize it they just thought that luger would resign so then luger got a call from bischoff and dave is going to read on i read on dave and then i'll, I'll go sure off. and late august of 95 after expressing disdain that he being luger wanted to leave the wwf luger got a call from wcw vice president eric bischoff to set up a meeting about a contract and luger possibly quote jumping ship Bischoff was initially reluctant to make the offer as he did not care for Luger, that's putting it nicely, personally or professionally, but relented due to both Sting's urging and the idea that his appearance would make a big splash. Bischoff offered Luger only $150,000 a year. This is 20% of what he was making when he left WCW three years earlier in a deliberate attempt to make him turn it down. Only. And according to Bischoff, he would say, well, hey, Sting, I tried. But he was totally surprised that Luger would accept the offer of 150. You got to give Luger a little bit of credit. He could have stayed in WWF and just been this fucking mid card guy, and and worn the flag on his tights or whatever, and probably made a little bit more money on a base. You know, maybe not much more money overall. But Bischoff is like, yeah, Sting, no problem. I'll call your buddy who I don't like, and I'll, I'll make him an offer. Hey, I'll give you 150 a year, which is nothing. And like Luger's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then oh, Bischoff, so if people want to shit on Bischoff, so he says, oh, he said, okay. His appearance on the first Nitro is going to be so important. Little did you know that when we saw Luger change wrestling history, when he walked down, it gave Nitro that, like, holy that, shit. Oh, like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Anybody yeah. could show up at any week kind of thing. Yeah. When Luger's wearing his little white pretty dress shirt. That's he so was only that shirt. The whole time, I do too, because there's no collar. It was that whole phase where there's no uh -huh. collar on the dress shirts. I hated that shit. Um, so he comes down with his hands on his hips, 
Bischoff's like, why don't shoot him? He doesn't work here. Don't do that. You for a second you were like, what the fuck's happening? You I know nowadays nothing can be sold as real anymore because every angle's been explored. But I can't tell you people who are listening. It was all, cool. All two of you. Back here in 1995, when we first saw that, we were we bought in hook, line, and sinker. We're like, what is he doing there? He was just on WWE TV a week ago. Yeah. He was just yeah. at SummerSlam pay-per-view two weeks ago. What the fuck? Then Dave will read on. He was at a house show for WWF the yeah. night before. He was literally, like, he premiered on Nitro of September 4th of 95, 1995. That was just one day after wrestling his last match in WWF at a house show. He came out during the match crazy. for the U.S. Uh, heavyweight championship between Sting and Flair. This appearance sent shockwaves to the wrestling business and immediately branded Nitro as a must-see television. So Bischoff, for $150,000 a year... <laughs> kind of changed the world. Bischoff right? used Luger to set that precedent for yeah. Nitro and, and change wrestling. He got that like much in, it, in PR alone that night. For the next yeah, like, this so people insane. are like, Bischoff fucking sucks. Really? I just, I can, I can name you one thing that he did that was genius, and we just talked about it right now. Like, it's yeah. insanity. And, and he, and he, he did tried like hell bucks not to make it happen. A year. He tried, he tried, yeah, because of that 150 offer, he's like, I tried like hell not to make it happen. I didn't want him. I didn't yeah, want I didn't him. want him. I didn't want him, but I ended up using him to kind of change and everything. And he's not right? exactly wrong. I mean, right. the talent, I mean, it's all spectacle before the bell rings, right? I yeah. get Bischoff for saying that. I'm telling you, I got a feeling that he ain't right. You can have, you listen, Macho Man, you can have your vote, but you're only one of four votes. Okay, brother, you want him in, you want him out. I'm torn apart. But the way I look at war games, when you put all the men in the camp, we'll find out what everybody's made of, Luger. Would you be our partner, brother? We want to test you in war games. Yes. Well, tell him! Tell him! Don't make a fool out of me! Don't embarrass us! Do it! I'll step in there in war games and I'll sit with you side by side, blow by blow, but one condition. I want that title shot down the line. You promised me. There's some unfinished business See, here. He's got an ulterior motive. Oh, get, get, get back to you! You heard it, me, you know, but it's, it's well, Luger was known to be kind of a shithead sometimes, and like he was a not he said, nice, yeah, he said professionally and work wise, I yeah. don't want him. So in '96, as the NWO began a uh, to gain steam, Luger was a staple for the WCW side. There, Luger won a four quarters match and became the number one contender for Hogan's WCW title at Spring Stampede and teamed with his new ally, the Giant to defeat Hogan and basketball star Dennis Rodman at the Bachelor of the Beach 1997. Up to that point, the biggest fucking... The biggest buy rate WCW ever got for a pay-per-view at that point, up to that point, was Bachelor of the Beach When I read it, it sounds terrible, but people don't understand. Why why would we have a legacy on Lex Luger? Um, On top of all the other shit I just mentioned, he was also in that match with Dennis Rodman. That's crazy. What people don't understand is that Dennis Rodman is a part of the Chicago Bulls at this time. Yes, it's, it's world champion world champion is going for a third and he just missing practice I, to yeah. go for WCW. He literally said, I, I need a vacation and Phil, Phil Jackson, the head coach, like how much you need? Like I need a week. He was gone for like three weeks. Yeah. And he was doing this shit the whole time. Yeah. It, 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 it blended so much re- real reality, not just reality TV, but reality into it. Like what is Dennis Rodman doing here? Doesn't he have to go win a championship right now? And 
I, as you said, Luger's in the in the mix of all this stuff. It's fun. And, and you know what? And it's only fitting the guy that they use to kind of set the tone for Nitro uh, for 150000 By the way, at this point, ninety seven was making a lot more than 150000 a year. I, I hope so. Uh, yeah. And Luger, I cannot understate how <clears throat> over he was. Now, as just the wrestling fan, I noticed a big decline in his work after the motorcycle accident. Obviously, right? Sure. But at the same time, like there were some times in WCW where I was like, I don't understand how he's so popular. He's so bad in the ring. He would clothesline people and clearly miss them by six inches. Like, and it was it was bad at times. Some somewhere someone told him. But it didn't it didn't matter because like you're gonna read on too as well. He's also even after the Rodman tag match, even after making history, uh, debuting on Nitro, the first one ever. He fucking has probably one of the best top top five moments in Nitro history. On August 4th, 97 of Nitro, Luger defeated Hogan to win his second World Heavyweight Championship in an impromptu match before dropping that title back to Hogan just five days later at Road Wild. It didn't matter. This, him putting Hogan <clears throat> in the rack. So the match is going on. The place is sold out going nuts. This is WCW's, they're at their zenith. This they're is fucking, WCW Yeah, winning, they're stomping, winning, they're stomping w, WWF at this point. Yeah. And like, and so Luger, the guy who was the first guy to jump and make a big deal and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. like is, is again involved in this. And like, he like is fighting Hogan. All the NWO runs down. The fans groan. Oh, every week we see run-ins. Luger starts clotheslining them over the top rope one by one. The fans are like, huh? What? No, something's going to happen. Happened? He picks Hogan up in the rack. The place is cheering, but they're reserved because they're like, something's yeah. going to happen. And then the ref turns around and signals for the bell, and the place goes goddamn bonkers. And the wall, he smells it. He's gonna wreck it. They're standing in Detroit. Yes. He's got him in the rock. He's got him in the rock. And Luger with that title going off the air was amazing. Like, yeah. it was the first time that anybody had breached the NWO up to that point. It was before Sting beat Hogan. It was before. It was when Sting was, it was still uh, the Raptors. It was, it was WCW winning their title back from the NWO for the first time. Yeah. Right. And even though it was only five days long, because Hogan won it back at the pay-per-view that weekend, it didn't matter. That moment on Nitro is one of the greatest Nitro moments ever. Yep. Yeah. Ever. After like, a long war with the NWO, Luger joined the NWO Wolfpack on May 25th of 1998. Luger played a central role in the group's uh, war with Hogan's NWO Hollywood and even convinced the long-standing anti-NWO Sting to join them. On August 10th, 1998 episode of Nitro, he defeated Bret Hart to win his record-tying fifth and final United States Heavyweight Championship in an impromptu title match before dropping that title back to Bret Hart just one day later on Thunder. He would also take part in the incident which both NWA factions united against the dominant Bill Goldberg in January of 1999. The Finger Poker Doom episode. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to talk about it. He remained a member of the new NWO until he was sidelined with a legitimate bicep injury until August of 1999. 
He would remain a focal point of WCW until the company sold in 2001. Now we jump into the personal stuff. This gets a little rough. Um, you got kids in the room. You might want to send them out. This doesn't get fun. On April 19th of 2003, Luger was involved in a domestic dispute with Miss Elizabeth um, Elizabeth Houlette and his then-live-in girlfriend in the garage of their townhouse in Marietta, Georgia, during which Luger struck her. Cobb County police found Houlette with two bruised eyes, a bump on her head, and a cut lip. Luger was charged with a misdemeanor count of battery and released on $2,500 bond. Two days later, on April 21st, Luger was arrested for driving under the influence after raiding another car. According to the police report, Luger had slurred speech and bloodshot eyes. He could not locate his driver's license. Houlette was a passenger in the vehicle and was sent home in a taxi. That's how old this is. We don't have taxis. I would say sent home in an Uber, but hmm. not a taxi. Sorry. Luger was also driving with a suspended license for not appearing in court on March 5th of 2003. For a hearing on a previous offense of driving with expired tags and having no proof of insurance. This is why you need a manager. On May 1st of 2003, Elizabeth Houlette died in a townhouse they shared in Marietta after mixing pills of hydrocodone and um, alpha alfrazolam, which is Xanax, with vodka. Luger was arrested after a search of the residence revealed a number of illicit controlled substances. Oh, gosh. Including anabolic steroids oxycodone, synthetic growth hormone, testosterone, and alp alprazolam. I got that right. He was charged with 13 felony counts of drug possession. He was released the following day on just under $30,000 bail. Miss Elizabeth's death was eventually ruled accidental. Luger pleaded guilty to the charge and was fined $1,000 sentenced to five years probation. That's it? In order Sorry. to undergo periodic Fuck. drug tests. 2003, when his girlfriend overdosed on drugs and Lex called nine. Lay down. I'm flying. I've been trying to help her. Lay down and check and see if she's breathing. Look at her chest. See if it's rising. I'm scared of death. But it's. Yeah. Oh um, my God. There's a lot of stuff happening here. December 2005, Luger and fellow wrestlers. Uh, Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell were removed from a flight to Winnipeg, Manitoba, after committing acts of disturbance on board the plane and were detained for several hours. Although Steiner and Bagwell were freed to resume their trip, Luger was charged with violating his probation by failing to obtain permission to leave the country. Luger was initially detained in the Hennepin County Jail. He was tried in Georgia and sentenced to four months in Cobb County Jail with one month credit for time served. On October 19th of 2007, Luger suffered a nerve impringement on his neck that led to temporary paralysis. He underwent an intravenous antibiotic treatment and was expected to make a full recovery. Nearly a month after his spinal stroke, Luger was still in a quadriplegic state, having no movement in either his arms or his legs. In June of 2008, Luger was said to be able to stand on his own for short periods of time and walk using a walker. In 2010, Luger stated in an interview that he was unable to walk, uh, that he was able to walk more comfortably and now able to drive. By 2014, Luger was using a wheelchair on a regular basis, though he was still able to walk short distances and by 2021 became completely reliant on a wheelchair for mobility. Um, I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of things. I've seen the episode of Pawn Stars where he's pawning things off and giving it to charity. And I'm looking at Lex and I'm like, I don't even recognize this guy. Um, 
you know, using the cane and standing for probably for the camera, but he's, he's bound to a chair this entire time. Um, <clears throat> tough stuff. Uh, on November 28th of 2006, Luger appeared on Praise the Lord, a flagship talk program of the Trinity Broadcasting Network and declared himself a born-again Christian in an interview doing it by, by the guest host, one-time wrestling tag team partner and longtime friend Sting. Luger emotionally discussed the downward turn of his career and personal life, including the events surrounding Miss Elizabeth's death and how it led to his conversion. Luger credits Steve Baskin, the pastor of Western Hill Baptist Church in Kennesaw, Georgia, with pulling him from a terminal uh, tailspin. Um, and, and we would argue now, I, I know we've talked about it several times, like, man, Luger was a jerk, but he's not a jerk anymore. He he really does try to do right. Um, however that gets you there is is fine by me, but I don't know if you guys want to comment on that. Uh, no, do the accomplishments. We'll talk about the closing. Sounds good. Uh, I want us to give our strong closing statement. Championships and accomplishments. Jim Brock and promotions are World Championship Wrestling, WCW. He was the WCW World Heavyweight Champion two times. WCW World Television Champion twice. He was the NWA WCW United States Heavyweight Championship five times. The NWA Mid-Atlantic WCW World Tag Team Championships three times. One with Barry Windham, one with Sting. One with the Giant. And Jim Crockett, uh, Senior Memorial Cup, he won that in 88 with Sting. He is the second WCW Triple Crown So, champion. and the Triple Crown is just like WWFs. It's the World Heavyweight, their secondary championship, the which tag. was the U.S. and the tag. Yeah, uh, Luger was the, the second person ever to do that. And he was actually one of the only few people to also win the television championship with all that as well. Yeah. Yeah, he's really a four. He's, he's, he's the quad, but they don't really count that. Yeah. So, um. Pro Wrestling Illustrated says he had the comeback of the year in 1993. He had the feud of the year of 1987 with the Four Horsemen versus the Superpowers and the Road Warriors. Feud of the year in 1988 and 90 versus Ric Flair. So two separate years there. Match of the year in 1991 was Sting versus the Steiner Brothers at Super Bowl I. Who is this? That, that shadow looked like, like Nikita Koloff. telling you. That looked like Nikita Koloff. Steve pushed his own partner out of the way. Koloff had that chain, that Russian, that chain around his arm. He saved Luger from getting nailed, but Steve just got popped right in the face. Brother, he got hammered right there. No. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, the winners and still WCW. Most popular wrestler of the year in 93, rookie of the year in 86, wrestler of the year in 97. Okay. Uh, ranked number two of the top 500 singles wrestlers in the PWI 500 in 1991. Wow. Number two. Okay. Ranked number 20 of the top w, uh, 500 singles wrestlers in PWI in 2003 for all time. He was ranked number 52 and number 90 of the top 100 tag teams and the PWI years with Sting and Barry Windham, respectively, in 2003. And the World Wrestling Federation, he won the Royal Rumble with Bret Hart in a tie. And he was Wrestling Observer's Newsletter Most Improved Wrestler of 1989. There's a lot of stuff happening there. A Lex lot of Luger is a... <clears throat> like, uh, I, I shouldn't say is a... Lex Luger did a lot more than people think. He deserves a that. lot more credit. He was in there with, uh, name me a wrestler 
that's a Hall of Famer that he was not in that ring with. Uh, Luger should be in the Hall of Fame. Will be soon. Um, you can say what you want about him. And I had, as a young guy growing up, you guys probably heard me going, Luger. Oh, you've said enough. Damn. Yeah, like, you know, Luger, <laughs> God damn it, Luger. And I used to be so fucking mad at Luger, and especially during the NWO era, because I just thought his work was so poor. And, uh, you know, I was, I was a big guy. I, I didn't mind limited movesets and stuff. And I loved Luger in, like, the late 80s when he would clothesline people and power slam people and put them in the rack. And he but made really it look good. do it. Like, really. Yeah, he really made it look good and he made it look snug and everything. And then he just, you know, after that motorcycle accident, he wasn't the same. And, you know, the Jess back then wasn't as compassionate as he is now as far as, like, well, yeah, he's got a serious fucking motorcycle injury, shattered his arm and forearm, and uh, could have never fucking wrestled again or lifted weights and did. And uh, instead of me recognizing that uh, when I was a younger kid, I was like, his shit looks fake. So, like, yeah, you know, you live and learn. Um, and part of the reason why I wanted to do this was because I'll go off first, you know, on what I think of him. You know, there's a lot of really talented people that held the WCW slash NWA United States Championship. But to this day, when anybody mentions that title, his face is automatically in my head. Luger is sure. was like the U.S. champion that comes to mind. If anybody asked me, hey, right now, real quick, who comes to mind? WCW U.S. champion. I'd be like, Luger. Luger like, there's no, yeah. you know, the longest 523 days or whatever it was. He held the title five times. Um, he he just makes me think of that. Um, the Lex Express stuff. Whatever you think about the end result of that, he was a part of that. The yeah. first ever guy who jumped ship and got Nitro off on, you know, that leg of, like, they're unpredictable. You got to watch Nitro. He was on the first Nitro. He, quote, unquote, jumped ship. Vince didn't know. Vince had to change his whole, like, holy shit. We should probably sit down and review everyone's contract right now to make sure nobody else fucking Well, you can, you can like, argue you know, that, like, that Luger is the reason for not only straightening out contracts, but for starting downside guarantees in the future. Well, and Hall and Nash would put a fucking exclamation point on the end of that sentence sure. later, too. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Luger was just such a part. His moment when he beat Hogan in the torture rack, that picture of him having Hulk Hogan in the torture rack and however many people were in that sold out arena for nitro going crazy for Luger, holding their breath, Luger, waiting for it to be real. Luger was so over. It was ridiculous. And like, yeah. you know, whether I liked him at this point in time or not, it didn't matter. His look carried him through so much stuff. And yeah, he wasn't a very good guy. And he, you know, at the, back then and uh, that the stuff with Elizabeth and the domestic, uh, you know, uh, violence and all that stuff is just terrible. But Everybody that runs into him now, from Conrad Thompson, who's hired him for the StarCast stuff, to anybody else, is like, he is a different man. He is a good man. He is is hell-bent on erasing his negative history. And just, you know, when he tells stories now, he tells them honestly. He's like, look, yeah, I, I did. I shouldn't have done this, and I should have done that. And uh, for anything you can say negative about him, he has made it up now. When you're a public figure like he is, and... You, and you take on religion like he does as well. Whether you believe in religion, uh, religion or not is irrelevant. He is trying I, to spread. I, I think, he's well, trying I think to spread you, that positive vibe to that's people. What you, he the religion you can say yes or no, but he accounts for atonement. Yes, and he wants not. people to take accountability for their sins, and he wants people to take accountability and be a good person. And if any one young person hears that now and sees what he's been through, and they're like, "Wow," and it causes them to change their trajectory in life. I say good on him. That's why I wanted to do this because, you know, and I follow him on Twitter too. And he will actually make fun of his wrestling ability when he's like, uh, he'll post something that's silly and he'll be like, oh yeah, it reminds me of me back in the day. And it's some uncoordinated person doing something. And so I think that, you know, 
he's been through so much, man. And I don't, it's sad about Elizabeth and, and, but honestly, like people just like to, you know, Luger killed her. No, he didn't like, stop it. People stop it. They both were adults. They both were indulging in bad behavior. They both were druggies. Um, Luger has to live with that for the rest of his life. And he probably, when he goes to sleep every night, thinks of her. And when he wakes up every morning, thinks of her. And uh, that's that's his penance. He's going to have to be haunted by that for the rest of his life. Atonement, him, man. Yeah, him, him doing the positive stuff now and changing his life. And if he's affected one young person and put them back on the right course, he's done his job, man. Like, And that's what it's all about in life is realizing the good and bad things you've done in life. And if you've affected people negatively, you got to recognize that. If you've affected people positively, you got to recognize that too. I think he's done both. And uh, he did not fucking kill Miss Elizabeth. And all you conspiracy people out there who like to say that because it sounds cool to say it sounds juicy or whatever well, just we're gonna were, get a thousand hits on this one they were both the they were both adults it. man they were both adults yeah. and it is what it is and it's sad yeah. and I, I miss liz and we did it in our archives the legacy of miss elizabeth is a great episode uh because we pay tribute to somebody who meant a lot to us as we grew up as well and luger loved her at one point and she loved him and no matter what they were involved in, no matter what drugs they were involved in, it was a, no matter how fucked up that relationship was, it didn't matter. Like, you know, and I believe he looks back on it now going, fuck man. Like it's probably one of the things that changed his life, you know, and like turned him around the other way. So I'm glad we did this. And, uh, uh, Craig, that's what I say about Lex Luger. Uh, he deserves to be in the hall of fame. Take us home, Craig. Yeah. Um, well said, Jess. And I'll start, uh, now and work backwards just really quickly and put a button on it. But, um, yeah, I mean, we talked about his atonement, and you want to talk about a guy who's kind of got punishment enough, uh, probably the, one of the most egotistical kind of guys in the business, um, guy who, who thought and did everything kind of for himself and, and for money, a guy who had his, his entire kind of body and was the most perfect specimen. And I think that's why he was given the narcissist game, because that's who he was, actually. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I think he had a fantastic body for the entire 15 years he was kind of wrestling. But to imagine now... To, to live and trapped in kind of the wheelchair that he is now and as frail as he is like i think he is he's already living um kind of his own kind of worst like nightmare and making the best of it with his atonement and his conversion so uh, everyone can say what they want um about his past but i think he's he's paying for it now and he's he's fully admitting it and yeah. just is right he's a different guy on twitter like i can't imagine what it's kind of like to be lex luger at this point um but and then I'll just say kind of it absolutely deserves a legacy, absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And in those 15 years since 88, 87 to 2000 kind of won his main big crux, like that's a huge portion of the the best of, of wrestling uh, growing up. So whether it was the Monday Night Wars, he was there, whether it was like the rise of the NWA and the end of the NWA and Jim Crockett and segue to WCW, he was there and he was a monster uh, and, and the wars and WWE and SummerSlam 94. He was always around. Uh, and so a, a big part of yeah, this is around pr in the mix, right? probably with a handful of guys in all those moments in that 15 years, like, um, and skyrocketed to that main event. And uh, you know, he's, um, I, I, and just like Jess, man, we used to make fun of Luger. We did not like his work rate. We didn't know what work rate was back then, but we did yeah. not like him. Uh, we felt even back then he was just kind of, he, he never, even never was never involved in, in any five-star matches and seemed to like, he could easily check out and made it look fake and was very clunky and messed up promos. And, but he parlayed a hell of a career off his body and everything that he did and, and 
he was part of some great matches and made a, made money for a lot of people. So good for him for actually not being totally committed to the to the business and being a bit selfish and making his money and being jumped and controlling his own career. Uh, uh, you know, and and a guy who's seemingly changed his ways, um, but absolutely deserves a legacy and a huge part of wrestling. I think, but yeah, that's Luger. <clears throat> that's says it all, man. So. For audio fans, give us a listen on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcast, or watch our videos on YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel. On social media, give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter at OWP2019 or at Facebook at Our Wrestling Podcast. This is Dave, Jess, and Craig with the OWP signing off. Have a good one. <laughs>